The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Michael Hayes, who is the Senior Manager of Government Affairs for the Consumer Technology Association. Hi, Mike. Hi, Kathleen. Hi. Thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, welcome, Michael, and thanks for joining us today. So we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your role at CTA. Thanks. So I'm Senior Manager of Government Affairs at CTA, and I lead a number of our emerging technology issues. So whenever there isn't established policy around a brand new technology, I work to help make sure that we frame that policy discussion in a productive way so that we address any concerns that are out there, but also make sure that whatever this great new technology is, is able to develop and thrive. I came to CTA from having worked on Capitol Hill for a number of years. I worked on a number of technology issues there on Capitol Hill, but particularly focused on patent reform, stopping patent trolls. So I still work on some of that as well. But AI, to me, right now is one of the most exciting areas to be shaping policy in. Well, great. Well, definitely there's a lot of new technology and a lot of new uses of that technology. That's obviously causing a lot of different changes in the way we use it. So clearly, whenever we have that, we got a lot of regulatory reform and time for people to think about how this stuff is being used in the context of society. So on that note, you know, we've recently seen a lot of pushback around privacy and data with recent situations in the news, as well as what we're seeing you know, at the European Union's general data protection regulation, the GDPR, and other areas, merging areas of regulation. So, you know, what do you think of these regulations and how do you think they're going to impact AI? So earlier this year, CTA launched our AI working group. Uh, this is a first for us. The group of companies, most of the leading companies in the AI space, whether in the development space or as end users of the technology, also a lot of really exciting startups in the AI area. What this group is going to do is initially focus on a set of AI policy principles for the industry. And privacy is going to be one of them. It's no secret, right, that data is critical to the functioning of AI. We need to be able to access good data sets, robust data sets, in order for the AI to function correctly and provide benefits that people want from this technology. At the same time, the success of AI is very much predicated on the public trust, right? People want to know how AI is benefiting them. They want to know why it's benefiting them. And particularly, they want to know how their data is being used, particularly to benefit them. So we need to make sure that we strike a reasonable balance. The AI needs the data, robust data, in order to function. People need trust in the technology and trust that their data is being used in a reasonable manner. I think as we're charting the course for AI policy, particularly when it comes to data and privacy in the U.S., we need to make sure to hit that balance right. In Europe, uh, with GDPR, I think that you see skew a little bit more to one direction. In some other countries where there isn't as much cognizance of personal ownership of data, there has been a push in the other direction. In the U.S., we have a unique opportunity to chart a really smart and reasonable middle ground when it comes to these issues. Yeah, we agree, and we're definitely keeping an eye on it as well. And I know that when we had met recently at the CTA Technology and Standards Forum, there was a lot of emphasis on coming up with working definitions for artificial intelligence, in particular terms like narrow AI. So why do you think that this is so important? 
So I would only be taking on this endeavor of trying to establish definitions if I thought it was incredibly important, right? It's going to be a difficult process. Anyone that you ask, anyone that you ask in the AI space is likely to give you a slightly different definition for narrow AI, certainly for the broader term artificial intelligence itself. Where we see a critical need to hone in on some degree of industry consensus around definitions is the fact that we're going to get a definition of AI in some manner, whether it's AI, narrow AI, machine learning, something along those lines is going to end up in statute sooner or later. There's been significant attention on Capitol Hill to artificial intelligence issues. And sometime, whether it's through an amendment or a dedicated piece of legislation or even possibly an agency regulation, there will be an establishment of a definition. It's hard to put forth a regulation or a piece of legislation around an issue without defining what you're trying to legislate on. We've seen a number of different attempts to define AI in the legislative space. And we feel like, as an industry, we need to be actively participating in that process. If we don't come to a degree of consensus around where we as an industry are comfortable defining ourselves, we're seeding that process to someone else. We're seeding that process to whoever gets that definition into statute first. And so we think by being active participants in trying to define these fairly ambiguous terms, that we're charting the most prudent course. We're charting a course toward making sure that our policymakers, our legislators, and others who are working on issues related to artificial intelligence have participation from the industry in helping them get to a point where we're properly defining what those terms exactly mean. You know, so artificial intelligence, as we all know, is not a new technology and concept in general. So how has this been handled in the past? And have there been working terms before that you're growing on, or are you building this from scratch? So when it comes to defining artificial intelligence, we're working amongst that new AI working group that I mentioned to you, and that's a process that we're just starting. So actually next week, I'm going to be starting that initial process with our working group to work on the definitions. So we will try to get consensus of how companies are defining this internally. We will propose some broad parameters based on how the policymakers are looking at the AI space, but that's going to be an ongoing process, and I hope we'll have a good product to show for it here in the coming months. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, well, we'll definitely be paying attention and keep our listeners updated as well. Absolutely. Uh, I I appreciate it. I hope that we're able to get to a good place for this, because as I acknowledged at the beginning, it's no secret that it's going to be a more difficult endeavor than it sounds like on the surface. Absolutely. And, you know, I think part of the issue, as you all know, and part of the reason why I think you're paying so much attention to it is that AI and machine learning are getting a lot of attention. They're getting a lot of attention in the press, getting a lot of attention from investors, getting a lot of attention, obviously, from the large vendors and manufacturers and, you know, government agencies. Everybody's looking at artificial intelligence, and a lot of it's for good reason. There's a lot of new and interesting things coming out of AI, autonomous vehicles, you know, intelligent assistants and smart devices of all sorts. But obviously, you know, uh, one of the the downsides to getting all this attention is that AI is is a bit of a buzzword. It's a bit of a bandwagon right now. And, you know, as a result of that is that we're at the very early stages with laws and regulations that still need to be written in these coming years with as long as technology and the whole field of AI progresses. So can you give us a little bit of insight into what you're seeing, you know, from the U.S. government and how they're looking at and how they're thinking about AI right now? Sure. I think that my favorite approach so far has been that of Congressman Will Hurd, Republican from Texas, and Congresswoman Robin Kelly, a Democrat from Illinois. 
They're the chair and ranking member, respectively, of the House Oversight IT Subcommittee. On that subcommittee, they convened a series of three hearings earlier this year, where they initially focused on bringing in experts from industry and academia to educate the members about how exactly AI was being deployed and what challenges it was potentially facing. They then brought in a a second hearing, second panel of people in the government, from government agencies, talking about how government agencies were deploying AI, how they were thinking about making use of this new technology to make their services better, more efficient, more effective. And then they brought in a number of people, including our CEO, Gary Shapiro, to talk about charting a course forward on policy. Where should they be focused? That was an incredibly thoughtful and prudent approach on their part. And it wasn't a exercise meant to simply cheerlead the technology. Really hard questions about bias and about data security, about diversity in technology, about potential job displacement were all asked during those hearings. It was a way for members on that subcommittee to really learn about the technology and really get to ask the tough questions before they thought about legislating. That is really effective way to make sure to try to get a brand new policy area right. Rather than rush to be the first one out the gate, the first one to regulate, they wanted to be the first one to learn the most. They wanted to be the best informed. And so that's a model that we were very pleased with, that we would certainly be delighted to help replicate for other policymakers. We saw something similar, frankly, from the White House yesterday. There was AI Summit, Office of Science and Technology Policy, convened subject matter experts from academia, from U.S. industry, convened them to discuss some of these hard issues, and then announced the development of an AI advisory council to the White House made up of experts in the field throughout government and outside to help advise and make sure that the best information is getting to policymakers. On a brand new issue like this, that's where we think the right place to start is, and that makes sure that we can move forward together, industry, government, and chart a course where we're dealing with these real issues. But we're also making sure that we create an environment in which this technology, which has the potential to have enormous beneficial impact, is able to thrive in America, and we continue to be the leader in this technology. You know, it's no secret that other countries, France recently had a very big rollout of their new AI policy. There have been a number of recent announcements from China about their investment in artificial intelligence. It's no secret that there's global competition to lead in this space. And if we move forward together as industry and policymakers, I think we can chart a course where the U.S. can maintain the leadership that it currently has in AI. Mm. Yeah. So as a follow-up to that, what are some of the main areas around artificial intelligence that governments should be paying close attention to right now and why? Well, there's certainly a lot. One of my favorites is healthcare. You know, healthcare in the U.S. is a unfortunately very inefficient and very expensive system, and there's a whole host of problems there, and AI might be able to help solve some of them. One of the ways that it can do that is by taking a large amount of data that is already being gathered by connected devices that are being used in hospitals and healthcare settings, and it can help doctors analyze that data in real time, something that they never would have been able to do, let's say, during a surgery. So it can help augment their decisions. It can help aid their decisions to be more effective, to be more efficient, to save time, you know, have a reduced error rate, and thereby improving lives and saving money. For the government, that's a double win. 
It's certainly not the only area, though, where AI could have an enormous impact in the government space. A couple others could be cybersecurity. We already see, and this was brought up during that hearing that I mentioned, where a number of government witnesses were in the IT subcommittee talking about their work in AI. Cybersecurity was an issue that a number of them brought up, where they were able to effectively use AI-based cybersecurity tools as defenses against malware attacks to protect sensitive financial information. Things like that, where these systems often could detect patterns, respond quicker than an individual trying to analyze the vast amount of data associated with those challenges. You see a number of different areas where the government is looking into this. A really interesting one that the White House highlighted at their summit yesterday, actually, was that the GSA has a pilot program where they're working with an AI system to help predict regulatory compliance, to help figure out how to make sure that when you're dealing with a regulatory issue, people are actually complying and following through with that. So there's a number of really interesting ways that the government can use this technology. And it's one of those instances in which I think the story just hasn't been fully told. The more we learn, the more we learn from hearings like that, from White House announcements, et cetera, we realize that the government's already deploying AI in a lot of really novel and interesting and useful ways. And then people are coming to understand, again, how beneficial, how effective this technology is able to be in sometimes what otherwise would be considered a relatively mundane setting. Mm, yeah, well, definitely. Well, obviously, as the government gets more interested in, in all the technology advancements, we hopefully the industry will engage directly and you know everything will come to help each other out. As a matter of fact, you know, what do you believe the future of AI is in general, you know, in the future and its applications to corporations and beyond, given you know, all that we've been talking about here about all these parties trying to get together to not only provide an opportunity for the industry to mature, but in a way that's adequately regulated. I'm going to use that term if I can. <laughs> Of course. You know, as AI continues to become more ubiquitous and as we continue to see it in more aspects of our lives, we'll continue to see a lot of extraordinary benefits, you know, whether it's in vehicle safety, whether it's in healthcare, like I mentioned, whether it's in accessibility for people with disabilities. At the same time, we have to be really honest about the increasing number of questions and concerns that AI will raise as it's used in more and more sectors of our economy. As an industry, we have to confront those head on. I mean, we touched on some of these a little bit earlier, whether it's issues of bias, making sure that we're using tools to properly ensure that our data sets are robust enough so that they don't inadvertently contain some biased data, or whether it's focused on making sure that we have full representation in the tech workforce so that we have diverse teams working on creating algorithms, thereby creating products that are much more relevant and useful for the whole country. Whether it's talking about jobs issues, you know, how is AI going to change the way that people work? It's potentially going to have a disruptive effect on some people's jobs, but it will have an extraordinarily efficient effect on other people's jobs. Like we mentioned in healthcare, where you suddenly have a new tool for healthcare professionals that can aid them in making decisions. They're working alongside the AI, which is a trend that I think we're going to see in a lot more industries. Absolutely. Yeah. And people, Absolutely. you know, parents will want to know how are their kids being prepared to take advantage of those opportunities? So it raises policy questions about education. You know, how are we making sure that everyone in our country, no matter where they're getting educated, is able to have the skills that they need so that when they're entering the workforce, they think, yes, there's a job for me that relates to AI. I can take advantage of these opportunities and benefit from those opportunities. That's a win for American workers. It's also a win for American companies who are facing 
a pretty severe skill shortage right now when it comes to critical skills in the technology space, particularly in AI. So the future of AI, I think, is really going to be dictated by how well we strike that balance. How well do we strike a balance between addressing those concerns head on and making sure that any regulatory structure that we do put around this technology is flexible, it's light touch, and it makes sure that the industry can thrive. That balance to me is the thing that we've got to get right in order to secure a successful and bright future for AI in the U.S. Well, great. Well, definitely in alignment with a lot of things that we're writing about here at Cognolytica, especially when you talk about some of the talent gap issues, you know, trying to get the workforce more educated and focused on the knowledge economy, at least this new knowledge economy is going to be key. So hopefully all these things will come to pass and companies and individuals will take full advantage of AI. So we really wanted to thank you, Michael, for joining us on this podcast. We really appreciate all your great insight. Certainly. Thank you guys for having me on here. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, thanks for joining us today, Michael. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. And thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Fiverr.com. Fiverr is a marketplace for creative and digital freelance services. And in fact, I use Fiverr for quite a lot of the things that we do here at Cognolytica and AI Today, including the editing of this podcast, the generation of transcripts, and more. I definitely encourage you to take a look at using Fiverr for your creative and digital needs today. And I have a special offer for you today. Use the promo code AI Today for 15% off your first purchase on Fiverr.com. Offer valid until December 31st, 2018. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright 2018 by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.